0: For at one point, the work was very separate. It was very much like, here's Kung Fu, and then here's like my shamanic practices, my shamanic and, and witch practices. But then I was like, why can I not bring them together? And when I started to do that, I started to see how it expanded the work even further.
1: <laughs> ¶¶ Sifu Love, the spiritual wellness warrior, is a gay Olympic martial artist who became a spiritual wellness counselor after realizing how his college students were struggling with their mental, emotional, social, and spiritual health. He lived in China for a few years counseling folks and training with various Kung Fu masters before heading to Columbia University to get a master's degree in spiritual psychology. When he graduated, he was invited to train and teach around the world, showing folks his spiritualized Kung Fu practices that emphasize healing the mind, body, and soul. After getting lots of requests to share his practices, he founded Healing Kung Fu, an online queer plus B I P O C friendly spiritual martial arts school that teaches self healing techniques to folks who have felt weighted down by their trauma, anxiety, stress, or culture. He now is completing a fellowship with texas a and M's Performance Studies Department, where he is doing research on spiritual healing and curating a spiritual performance aimed at shifting consciousness and healing his audiences. All right, We're here today with Sifu Love on the Gravity Podcast. It's great to be with you, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and
0: share my story.
1: yeah, good. So um let's do that. Let's hop in and start at the beginning. Uh, as you know, the Format here is to tell the full life story. So let's uh, start with your kind of early childhood, where you're from, your kind of family dynamics, and anything that feels important to you about those early days. Sure, sure. So I was born in Northern California um,
0: in a pretty suburban area. And, you know, my journey started when I was extremely young and I started to hear um, different voices. And I realized I was, I was hearing the voices of different spirits of my ancestors and different guides that, that I have. And that terrified me, truly terrified me. It wasn't no, not too far later that I started doing uh, martial arts as a way to really tune into my mind and understand what was going on. But at that point, I had I, I done karate and I felt like my karate teacher was trying to teach me how to be really violent. And I was like, this is not healthy for, for me. And so I ended up leaving the, the karate studio I'm still in search of some way to make sense of, of what was going on with me. And I discovered meditation around the age of 10 or 11. Um, and I started meditating and I loved that particular practice. And you know, I felt like I, I wanted to bring this meditation piece into the martial arts I had tried before and maybe wouldn't be as violent. So I ended up doing um, Kung Fu a couple of years later. This is now high school. And I was blending the Kung Fu work with the the meditation that I was
1: doing. Sorry, let me just interrupt you for a second because this is fascinating to me. And I want to just pause you for a second and kind of go back and understand a little bit um, about uh, kind of what the environment was like for you that allowed you to even be introduced to things like meditation at such a young age. Or maybe you could share a little bit more about your thinking um, if you can recall it, you know you're clearly, um, you know, kind of trying to find different modalities at a young age to navigate what's going on inside of you, which uh, I think seems like a pretty like evolved, mature thing to be doing for a young person. So is that something that like in hindsight you can kind of see what you were doing, or at the time were you actually like thinking? about how to navigate this, you know, experience you're having.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't articulate this often. I'm very happy that you've asked. So I would say that ever since I was a child, I was very much in touch with my body. So I was the very first sport I remember doing was tap dance, um, as a, I have no clue how, how young I was. Um, but I, I ended up leaving tap dance and then I did um, like uh, American football or, or soccer. And then I jumped into basketball and I, I was hopping around in different sports. And what I found is like when I was in the sports, when I was in movement, I was in touch with my body and I was able to find calmness and excitement and a sense of expansiveness as I was training or, or working out. So, but I, I couldn't find the right actual modality, that that felt best to me. And so I kind of just jumped around between different sports. And and my mom was very supportive in helping me try something out and also encouraging me to stay as long as possible. But I I always knew the limitations to the practices that that I was trying to do. And it was... In elementary school, I had a really bad stutter. Um, like I could barely communicate in a clear way and people made fun of me for that. Um, They made fun of me for being girly. Um, At that point, I wasn't Overweight yet, but I, I was getting chunky. So so I was starting to get some 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 um, some critique, let's say, because of that. And at this time, I was dealing with all of this external pressure of people trying to tell me who I am, who I should be, and I was trying to find some sort of movement practice that helped me tune into that. And I tried all these practices, and they didn't quite fit yet. And there was one day where I went to the bookstore. Um, and I found this book, Meditation for Dummies. And one of the things that the the book had said is that this meditation helps to calm the mind and understand the the problems that 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 we have. Which now today, understanding meditation, I wouldn't completely agree with that. But you know, as as a child, me reading that, I was like, yes, this is this is what I'm craving at the moment. So that's how I got into some meditation. So that's probably youth until like. Ten
1: or eleven. And you spoke a little bit about your mom. And I'm just kind of curious to hear a little bit more about your kind of family and, and what kind of support you had or challenges you had there. I mean, obviously it sounds like you know, you're going through a hard time. You're um, you know, being kind of made fun of, the stutter, then the weight. And, and and these are tough times when we're in elementary school. Kids can be very difficult, especially to people that you know are unique, so um talk a little bit about kind of those two things, the kind of family support or or dynamic that you were in, and then also a little bit more about kind of what was going on with you as a kid in that kind of environment.
0: yeah, so I grew up with just my mom and i um so in in a single parent household and she was working extremely hard to make sure that we had the the funds, the means to live somewhat comfortably. Um, so, so she was like working very hard to be able to support me financially and in other means. And so it was just her and I for a number of years. She's she's now married, so it's you know that that didn't last. So she got married when I was around twenty-ish. So you know, my first chunk of my life, I'm an only child with um, just just my mom in that way. And as I was facing all of these things, I, I was afraid to talk to her about it. Um, and part of that was because I was like, "Well, you know, these are my issues. I have to deal with them in in some particular way." And honestly, a part of me was afraid that if I told her what was going on, that I would get some sort of critique back from her, and then that that would, would break me. So I I was afraid to talk to her about what was going on in the moment. But she would start to notice how certain days I would be really, really upset or certain days I'd be really happy um, because something has happened but I, I still wouldn't tell her like, like what, what was going on. And I, find, and I found that when I came out to her, so I came out to her when I was around, uh, I think I was 12. She was like, her response was extremely accepting. You know, I, I wrote her a, a letter because, again, I, I, I was afraid to, to tell her things. So I, I wrote her a letter and I noticed when she read the letter, but she hadn't spoken to me for like a, a couple of days. And so that kind of freaked me out. I was like, oh gosh, okay, what, what's happening? Everything's going to get destroyed. And then a couple of days later, she approached me and she told me she got the letter. Um, she wanted to speak to one of her, um, her partner's gay friends to kind of understand how to relay the fact that she is very supportive, but she's also very afraid of like what can happen to me. You now, being gay out in, in the world, and so we developed a really strong relationship because of that. And, and then I was able to tell her about everything else that I was experiencing. And then I got her support um, at that particular point.
1: Wonderful. And, um, and talk a little bit more about kind of then what you're experiencing. You were starting to talk about kind of the, the way kids were picking on you or, or uh, critiquing you and you know, how then the meditation and the kind of modality start to come in to help you through that time.
0: Yeah. So after I had come out to her, um, she had said that, you know, I really want you to do something that's going to help you protect yourself in case anything happens. And I'm like, okay, I, I will agree to that. You can accept me. I, I will do something to, you know, appease you in that way. And so, we, so she helped me find this um, Chinese Kung Fu studio. Um, so I went there, I auditioned for them, um, they accepted me, and I started training with them. And as I was training with them, I would take everything that that they were saying and I would bring it into my own understanding of, of meditation. So for example, like, like like punching. So I would take punching and then I would add think to myself, how do I add the idea of gratitude into this? Because gratitude is a major um, meditation practice that, that I really enjoyed. So I was thinking about different ways to feel the energy of gratitude and using punching or kicking or blocking to experience gratitude within my own being. So at that point, I was creating a, a modality of Chinese martial arts mixed with these more esoteric, mystical principles that you find in, in, in meditation.
1: Um, so just like sitting here thinking, you're how old at this point? Twelve? 13 somewhere in there, right? At this
0: point, I'm like 13, 13, 14. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like it's so um amazing that you're even like thinking about how you can bring these modalities in. I mean, I don't know, maybe in Northern California, you know, this was a little bit more in the air, you know, but I'm I'm thinking about myself, you know, in Ohio at age 13 and You know, not knowing where to turn for this kind of spiritual work that you're doing at such a young age and you're you're kind of thinking about how to combine these things. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, I'm doing at this age in my life, at this stage of my life, I'm really thinking about how to, you know, use modalities and how they come together and embody them and the feeling and the energy. And right. I mean, at 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 13 years old to be even thinking like that is very fascinating to me well there, there's two reasons to that. One, I would say because I needed it
0: at that point like like the the bullying that I faced it, it never got physical, but it was extremely verbal um emotional like the the kind of bullying I faced was really harming to myself, and th- there are points where I remember maybe I was like i don't remember the exact age but maybe twelve where I had this moment of I thought, you know, I actually want it in my life. Like, I think I'm done, you know, because of everything that I was experiencing. And, you know, one of my favorite... um, I can't remember the exact quote, but one of my favorite characters from the TV show, Avatar The Last Airbender, um, says that, you you know, when you lose everything, that's when something else comes through. There's sort of this breaking that happens. And so because of what I was experiencing, I was on the, the, the verge of breaking and these practices is what saved me. And So I, I dedicated my time and my thought and every, everything toward these practices because I wanted to exist in the world and feel safe and I wanted to be heard and I wanted to express myself because I know that I'm unique and I'm very different and I love that about myself and I, and, and I wanted to feel more comfortable being myself. So there was that really strong necessity at that particular point. And also, I'm just very sensitive to the way energy works and the way people relate to each other. I I can see someone and know like a a lot of their life history. I can tell if someone's lying to me. So I'm very sensitive with energy itself. And if I'm to exist in this world, being as sensitive as I am, I need something to help me manage my sensitivities. And that's what ended up being created at that point.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. I just want to Of pause there and and highlight that, you know, because I think a lot of kids, you know, especially now for whatever reason, COVID or whatever it might be, you know, are really grappling with the same kind of feeling of being really low and wondering whether or not even they should continue on. And I think it's something we got to talk about. You know, this is a really real thing. You know, people are taking their lives that. Um, you know, have a lot left to live. And, you know, I, I love the idea that, you know, when maybe you're broken, that something else comes in. I believe that can be true. It was obviously true for you. And um, it's, a, it's. A, I think, you know, maybe some hope to hang on to when you are feeling low, that that maybe something's going to come through here and to be open to it, which you were, And and then you know it comes in and now you know you can sit here and say you love yourself you know that that's a pretty big turnaround and uh, you know I just wanted to kind of you know applaud you for that and and make sure you know our listeners hear that too you know that that there can be you know a a turnaround um, to something uh pretty useful you know which we'll get into how this all you know turns into something that that serves you but that's you know kind of one of my deepest held beliefs that you know our lives are here to serve us and ultimately then to serve others so anyway um i just wanted to you know um you know uh share some gratitude for for your story here you know in this moment so thanks Thank you,
0: thank you. I I appreciate that, and you know that's why I enjoy sharing my story because there are so many people who are suffering and are either afraid to speak about their suffering or they don't have the full awareness to be able to articulate how they're suffering, so then they can get the support that they need. Um, I I work as a um, as a, a crisis counselor and LGBTQ youth crisis counselor, and so I hear all all the time kids from. I think the youngest I've talked to is maybe 10, um, all, all the way up to, to their, their mid-20s. And I hear the different struggles that they're facing. And it reminds me so much of myself when I was back at their age. And they didn't have someone to talk to. They didn't have the practices that I have. And so the more I talk to them, the more I'm like, okay, this work is necessary. And I'm happy to be a vessel to offer it to other people so then they can know how to heal themselves. Because essentially, the practices that I teach people are ways for them to heal themselves. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. let, Let me just, I'm just curious about this before we kind of continue on with your journey and talk more about what you're doing now. But I'm curious, what is your perspective on the bullies? When you start to think about, you know, the other side of this, you know, I think it's easy to kind of, you know, understand the experience that you had, you know, because you had it, you were in it. Um, but I'm wondering how you frame the kids that are on the other side of that, what your thoughts are of them or what you've come to know about people that are doing that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good question. And I say that because and it's, it's very timely. Um, this month that, that we're talking right now, October, is National Bullying Prevention Month. Um, and so I've, I've been talking a lot about bullying in the media in, in my own work and in, in, in my classes. and one of the things that I say is the reason why the core reason why people bully is because they don't feel like they belong. Um, it's either they don't belong to themselves or they don't belong to the the world around them so if if I am someone who I'm told that being girly is, is a bad thing. And, and so whenever I feel like my my, my feminine tendencies rise, I, I want to get rid of that. But you know, I can't do it within myself. So I find someone else out in the world who is like that. And then I bully them as a way to suppress that part of myself. Um, and so you know, they feel like they don't belong to themselves. So they find an, an outward projection of that thing. And then that's what they attack. And that helps them get temporary reprieve, but then of course it's going to come back up, and then they'll, they'll repeat into the the bullying process um, and you know I thought a lot about this because i 'll be honest with you, I was bullied for so long, and then I became a bully at some point because I was like, well, you know this is just like chaotic i don't belong, so let me join in on the bullying, and that's going to show other people like oh he 's strong, he's powerful.' and i mean that whole conception of power being having manipulation over someone else or influence over them is really false and and you know messed up w- within our society but you know i turned to bullying as a way to demonstrate the power that i had and i had to learn like that's not what power is that's actually you just projecting your own insecurities out into the world and you're causing harm to another person so and, and it's funny because the, the martial arts is, is what taught me that because it was around the time that I started doing martial arts. That's when I started switching and started bullying other people. And I had to realize that power doesn't come from throwing a punch. Power comes from sitting, realizing the situation and helping someone else so you don't have to throw a punch.
1: Yeah, really interesting, and I'm glad that you shared that. You know that you actually, um, you really do relate to what it's like to be on the other side because you tried that on too. And you know, I think that I'm sitting here, you know, with this thought and and belief that really we're all after the same things, and and in our deep down, deepest down, you know, even though we have a lot of differences, we all want to feel loved like we belong, like we're a part of something, that we're safe, you know, whatever the, you know, kind of emotions deep down that we're searching for. And people are just finding different ways to navigate that. And that might sound like very forgiving and maybe, you know, even permissive of bad behavior. Um, It's not, you know, you, you, you have to learn how to find those things in a, in a, Healthy way, but um, that's not easy for everybody. Depending on their upbringing, depending on their, you know, kind of family or societal or environmental or genetic, even, you know, um, it, it can be really tough and come out in some pretty harmful ways. Um, but but I'm really glad you shared. It's interesting that you know somebody who had been on the other end of that experience could even find themselves doing it. It just kind of, I think, you know, underscores my point, which is really that we are all the same. I mean, here you are having lived on both sides of that spectrum.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's true. We all are searching for very similar things. I would say it's love, acceptance, um, and community. I feel like those, those are... I mean, there, there's a longer list that I teach, but those are the ones that that come forth the most right now. And just as as you're sharing, like I do, also want to emphasize that it's not in any way permissive of bad behavior. It's just recognizing the source of the bad behavior. Um, I, I I utilize a lot of a lot of movies and TV shows in my teachings because it's easy to kind of connect with people in that way. And I'm I'm doing a lot of writing around um, pop culture. And so I think about like how right now there's so many movies around the villain. You know, I think of like the movie Maleficent or the the, the new movie Cruella, and how we're getting a live a, or a peek into the lives of the villains before they, they became the villains. And you know, all this is doing is helping us to see that there's something deeper behind someone's pain, or there's something deeper behind the way that they're Expressing themselves, and usually there's some sort of pain, and it's not until you address that particular pain that the behavior is actually going to change. Um, and so, like seeing those movies, it's just always a reminder to me that you know anyone who's bullying, anyone who's expressing themselves in a way that's harmful to another person, they've been harmed in some way. And so, for me to have a little bit more compassion or understanding to search for that thing. Still have my my own boundaries and like okay this is too much no but I I have the opportunity the choice to just take a breath take a second feel into their position um, especially as I said I'm very sensitive to um, other people's energy so you know I, I can really feel into the the core issue of someone's behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah I think you're really touching on something important which is this idea of you know being compassionate and and compassionate with boundaries right <laughs> so I mean people have to want to be helped on some level right they have to be aware enough that they need help um, even if it's just you know um I don't know even even if it's unconscious they, they have to have that somewhere somehow be ready for it but you know to show somebody some compassion as opposed to you're wrong, you're bad, right you know you get punished, you go over into this corner of the world, right jail, whatever it is right you know this is kind of how we as a society handle wrong and bad and some compassion could go a long way right mm-hmm. now again, boundaries too because you can't let people just, um, you know, run wild with bad behavior, but maybe there's a way energetically and uh, emotionally to connect to somebody and turn that around.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And and I'll say, like, I started my teachings when I was living in um, China. Um, I I was a college lecturer for a couple years, and at that point, I really got to talk about this stuff in this way and i found my students were really quick to understand and provide many really strong examples of it and part of it's because you know it's it's china and it's a country that although not everyone is tuned into the energetics of traditional chinese medicine and that aspect of the culture there is a little bit more acceptance and understanding of energy and the way people's energies present themselves and, and relate to each other so I started teaching there and it was very easy to talk about you know, these sort of things. And, and I, I speak Chinese as well. So there was a, a, a familiarity that I was able to, to bring. And when I left China and came here and started talking about the same things, people were like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? I, I don't understand. So then I had to learn how to translate the, the, the energetics and the spiritual principles through the practices and through my words in, in a little bit of a different way. So it's something that we all have the ability to understand the way energies work and the way we we relate to each other, and the more that we understand that it stretches our capacity of being you know we we're not just bodies, we expand and we are able to sense other bodies in space.
1: okay, so back up a little bit and tell me more about um the process that got you to china and and kind of what happened that that you decided you wanted to. To move to China and tell me a little bit more about what you were doing there.
0: Yeah. So during my undergrad, I went to Berkeley for um, my um, undergrad experience. And sometimes I, I, I say that I, I was raised in Berkeley because it wasn't until I left home and went to college that I was like, okay, this is what life is like, you know? Um, and when I was in Berkeley, I was very much of a free spirit, hippie Berkeley like kind of person. And what I loved is the conversations that I had with people, I had very random but beautiful conversations with people. Um, and there was one day I was just kind of walking through campus and I saw there's a study abroad office. And I'm like, well, study abroad, that sounds interesting. So I, I walk into there and, like, as, as, as is me, I walk in and I start talking to everyone. I'm like, oh, how are you? How's your life? What's going on? Da-da-da-da. And then the, the advisor that was available at that moment was the advisor for um, eight for the Asian um, area, and she told me she's like, "Oh, so I'm actually bring, I'm accepting applications right now because they're all due tomorrow, and that's why the office was so busy." And I was like, "Okay, well, let me look at the program." So I found that there was a China program. Um, there's a, there's also a Japan program, but the Japan program I, I couldn't do for a number of reasons, but the China one looked possible. So I took the application, I, I ran through campus to get signatures, I, I wrote my essay, and then I submitted the application the next day, three months later, it's summer, and I, I'm flying out, out to China my very first study-year abroad experience. So I'm abroad in China, I'm experiencing the culture, I'm seeing all these things, and I'm fascinated. And at this point, I had been studying Chinese martial arts for about um, six or so years, six or seven years. So I, I had experience with. Um, Chinese martial arts, and I was trying to find it when I was there, and I didn't quite find it. So I was like, I need to come back. I I studied abroad two more times. And the third time, I got an an internship in China. And um, I eventually moved there um, when I graduated. Um, I taught at the university and I was counseling students and other adults on the side. And um, on the weekends, I would travel to different places and train with different kung fu masters. Um, so I would literally drink tea with them. We would show each other our practices. We talk about everything. And those four years of my life was probably like the most amazing time I've ever had. You know, just like teaching Monday through Friday. Teaching and counseling Monday through Friday, and then the weekends I go off into the desert or into like the small village to find this one teacher, this unique style, and train with them for like a couple days. So that within itself was a majorly um, transformative experience that I would never give up for anything. So that's Mm. so so that's why I was in China. Mm.
1: Yeah, and and I'm just wondering, you know, you've um, gone from a kind of unique kid, you know coming out at age 12, bullied, overweight, you know at a certain point you know you, you kind of had a lot of things that could have really led you down a path that might have been full of insecurities, addictions I mean it could have gone you know a very different way um, that that's probably true for most people but I, I'm kind of hearing tremendous, freedom and, and, and courage really to travel abroad like that and to kind of find your way and then you know really immerse yourself in that culture. you know that takes a lot of strength. and um, you know I'm just curious you know what what do you attribute that to? What you know kind of got you to the point that you could become so and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. this is just you know what I, it sounds like to me. Free and and at peace with yourself and courageous. You know where where did all that come from? Yeah, i I appreciate
0: those words. Um, they're they're really beautiful to hear from you. I I would say liberated. Like I try to live my life in a way that's liberated from the outside world by connecting deeper into myself. And there's two things that have allowed me to be able to do that. One is my practices. Um, I trained intensely, um, especially middle school—not middle school, high school, college, and beyond. I was training intensely. I was competing in international tournaments. I did the Gay Olympics a couple of years ago, so I was very much into into my practice. So the practice was my therapy um, to really understand what was going on. Um, and then I would say it's also my family. So my mom, my my step my stepfather, my stepbrother. My grandmother, my aunt, my uncles, like they were all very understanding of what I was doing. Well, they, okay, I'll be honest, they, they would try to understand. They were like, we don't know why you're going to China, why you're doing this thing, but you know, it's it's him. So he's just going to do it. Um, More accepting but, than understanding. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> They're like, okay, we accept that. We don't understand, but just go <laughs> ahead. Um, so I, I, was, I was very lucky to have a family that's super understanding of what I'm trying to do, understanding, accepting, whichever. Um, And the practices. So I would say those were the two things that allowed me to stick through with staying honest and authentic with myself and finding a sense of liberation. But to be honest with you, I mean, I had that and I still struggled with a a lot of different things. Um, I mean, I struggled with addiction for, for a couple years. I struggled with um, with, with a, a, a lot of self worth issues, um, and though, though I struggled, I didn't collapse into my own problems because I had the practices as uh, as like a, a nice gentle hug to kind of help me through the the difficult times.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And and I, I'm just gonna ask now because I'm thinking about it, and we can keep going to get to your work today. And maybe this is all intersecting, um, but. For people that are interested in martial arts um, or um you know whether they're struggling like you were or you know just interested in it for other reasons, athletically or energetically or whatever it might be, where do you suggest people start you know there's so many different options it's it's almost overwhelming you know do you is it like more, Muay Thai or Tai Chi or Kung Fu? And you know, how do you even um, you know kind of explore what might be a fit for you? Is there any kind of um, you know? And maybe you're, you're you're biased, and that's okay, you know. But what what do you suggest people do as a starting place to explore martial arts?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, starting place, train with me, yay! Um, but. There's two questions that I would ask someone. I would ask them, one, if they have a specific connection to a type of culture. Um, so I had a strong connection to Chinese culture, so I gravitated toward Chinese martial arts. I have friends who love Thai culture, so they can try Thai martial arts, or Indonesian culture, so they can try Indonesian martial arts. So first, understand what cult- culture um, you feel some sort of connection to. Maybe you're interested in developing a connection to a culture. Um, so that's one question that I would ask. And that, then that begins to take the entire world of martial arts and it kind of separates it. Um, and then I would have them look into which element, which of the four elements they feel most connected to. Um, and I, I could map which martial arts matches to which, different, which of the different um, elements. So in like Chinese Kung Fu, for example, which is what, what I'm focused in, Again, I'm referencing Avatar The Last Airbender because it's such a good example of this. But it shows how the four different styles in which people move their bodies is related to four different styles of Chinese martial arts. So there's the, the, the water style, which is more flowy. There's the earth style, which is more stable and grounded. There's the fire style, which is very expressive and open and passionate. And then there's the air style, which is very contemplative and slow moving and, and moving in circles. And so I would get someone to think about one, the culture that they feel connected to, and then two, the element that, that they feel connected to. And that will allow them to have the physical and the metaphysical experience when they go into the practice.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good answer. And I think you know it's probably smart for people to do a little research and, and really try to find what feels right to them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so talk to me. You come back from China and I want to hear more about kind of how you've gotten into this work. I mean, obviously, you're fully immersed in it and becoming, you know uh, an expert. So talk a little bit about kind of how your path to your work today uh, unfolded as you returned back to the states. Yeah, so i
0: I left China and I came to the u s. to do a grad program at Columbia. And my studies was focused on spiritual psychology. So the psychology from the perspective that people are whole, no one's broken or missing their whole, but they have forgotten about their wholeness. Or there's some sort of challenge that they're facing that's, um, that's like really deep and heavy for them. And finding practices and different ways for them to move through that and move beyond that. Um, and so I loved my grad program. I loved what I was doing. Um, I actually got to create the spiritual martial arts curriculum that I now utilize. And so I, I loved that particular opportunity. And while I was in New York doing my program, um, I was performing and, and doing all these things. And I had realized that there's so little support for people of color and for, for queer people. Um, so I felt this really strong urge to dig into those aspects of my own identity even further so that I can best support queer people and people of color in embracing themselves and understanding who they are and how to not be swayed or manipulated by by society, but find their own authentic way of being and be comfortable with that. So that became like a personal mission of mine. And I started working with more people of all different races, genders, sizes, body types, and it was really exciting for me to see how these practices were helpful to everyone in a different way. And part of that is because as we're moving, I asked them to utilize their imagination. And when you bring in the imagination and, the, and memory, you know everyone moves a little bit differently, but we're all moving together. And so I just started to see the, the healing happen through the practices as I was sharing it with people from different countries and different, different spaces.
1: Yeah, really interesting. Again, you know this idea that you can kind of use your life to serve you. I mean, you kind of go down this, you know, real rabbit hole of pulling in these different, you know, modalities. I mean, you're now getting educated, you know, on spiritual psychology. You know, getting a master's, you know, degree from Columbia. I mean, th- these are you know pretty deep learnings. You're you're pulling into this practice and. Uh, you know, incredible how you're weaving all of this together, you know, as you go. I mean, talk a little bit more about kind of where it's at and, and kind of how it's still unfolding for you as you're teaching and, and helping other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a
0: constant creator. And this is the way in which I practice my own artistry. I think we all have an artistic edge in some ways. Some of us like to dance. Some of us like to paint. Some of us like to interview people. Um, for me, it's it's martial arts. You know, martial arts is the 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 tool in which I express my own creative energy. And so I'm constantly thinking about different ideas um, and how they are present in the practices that I already trained in. Um, and it's extremely helpful because um, it keeps me open. It keeps me curious and I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly adapting to the world around me. Um, And so in terms of how my work has evolved now, um, I have specific forms that are related to specific psychological or spiritual um, development states that people hope to achieve. So I have a form related to confidence. um, And a form is just a set of movements that you go through, like a, a rigid set of movements. And so I have a form related to confidence. I have one for trauma, anxiety, and stress. Um, those are on the psychological ends. I have one for authenticity. Um, on the spiritual end, I have forms for ancestral healing, for past life regression, for intuition. Um, and so for, again, for me, it's like, I train in these forms because I enjoy what the forms bring to me and what they do for me. And the more that I get deeper into the practices, the more I'm able to relate the depth to other people. And as I relate it to other people, they have profound experiences within the work. And then their profound experiences inform the stories that I tell about the work that I'm doing. And then it just keeps evolving and evolving and growing so it's very much something that's alive it's not like the practices that that my masters that are still in the that are still on the mountains in china it's i've taken those practices and i've evolved them into a contemporary context that makes sense with what people are struggling with at the moment and i found that to be very important because as i was training with different masters in china in the mountains a lot of them wanted to keep their practices secret and they they didn't want to come out into the world and share their practices. Um, But when they met me, they realized that I was trustworthy and I was honest and I was really skilled. And they said that we'll teach you this and you can share this with with other people, but be careful how you share it. Be careful who you share it with. So I got their permission to to take these very ancient, powerful secretive practices, adapt them in certain ways, and then be able to, to share them with other people. And for me, that's what's exciting. Like, I'm taking the medicine that these masters who are like really old and really healthy, the medicine that they have, and I'm sharing it with the world in a very careful way. You know, I don't share all of my practices, and I, I always adapt things away from its original form just, just, just a little bit. Um, and I'm not very public with everything that I teach, I don't put out videos of, of my own movements for, for that particular reason. And what it does is it creates this atmosphere when people are training with me. It's an atmosphere where they're on Zoom or in person. I I do mostly Zoom classes now. Um, They're on Zoom and they realize this is the only moment that I have to train in this practice with them. Um, So it creates a sort of um, urgency when they're in the practice and that allows them to go even deeper into the practice and to learn more when they're in the practice. Uh, because there's not like 20 different recordings that they can go back and review over and over and over. It's just that one moment in time. Um, and it's, it's really, really powerful. And I'm excited about the work that I'm doing. I'm doing a lot more healing work right now. I'm bringing in my own shamanic um, past and, and my own shamanic work. So it's constantly developing. And I'm loving that. And the, 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 the program that I'm in now is helping me develop that even further.
1: Mm-hmm. um okay so one thing that just kind of popped into my head as you were sharing that is this um, meditation for dummies that you mentioned earlier it, it you know and I'm a meditator and I practice transcendental meditation and have for over 20 years and um, a lot of times people will ask me about different modalities and some people you know have found headspace and um, you know other kind of online, Talking meditations, and um, you know, I'm not a big fan of those for me personally. But I'm always um, telling people, whatever is working for you, you know, whatever you're connecting to, it's great. Like, there's no bad meditation Mm -hmm. as long as you're doing something to help yourself. Great, Um, and it'll kind of unfold from there. And you know, you you kind of talked about the meditation for dummies and how it caught you at the time. And maybe today that's not necessarily how you see it, but it, it did kind of nudge you. And, you know, it's even funny in the title, you know, right? Like, um, and, and the cover of those books, you know, they're so simple. I mean, they're, they're designed to market to people to who are at a very early point of just grabbing their attention and getting them into the work. Right. And, you know, when you think about kind of the spiritual masters in China, you know, these old men who for probably generations now have been, you know, totally embodying this work and these techniques, you can't take that and just translate it over to, you know, a modern, you know, American, you know, without any kind of, um, you know, entry in. We need, we need things to be kind of spoon-fed to us a little bit, too. And so... You know the that that's what it sounds like you're doing is you're kind of, um, not not that it's for dummies, but you're you're taking that wisdom and you're 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 spoon feeding it to people so that they can comprehend it and get on the path mm-hmm. and and you know I think it's really important because uh, it can be overwhelming, right? People can say I you know that I can't do that or I don't relate to that or I don't understand that or that's too much for me, right? So we've got to find ways to Kind of open those doors a little bit and get get in there and and get people you know started. Yeah,
0: yeah. One one thing that I'll correct that you said um, there. A couple of of my masters were also women. Um, It's interesting that there's a lot of very powerful female masters that people don't know about. So just just want to highlight that. Um, Yeah, thank you. But it's funny that you know you're talking about it talking about this in this way, I, um, I speak about four to five languages right now. Um, and learning a language is very important to me. It's a huge spiritual practice of mine. And what I realize that I'm doing with my work is I'm translating. And I'm just a translator or interpreter of this ancient knowledge, this ancient moving practice, or movement practice. I'm translating it into our cultural context so people have some grasp and understanding and then because I'm, I'm a teacher, you know, I start people off with the basics and then I layer it. We go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's really fun to do. You know, as, as with a typical like um, kung fu master, you know, they are the artist, they are the teacher, they are the fighter, they are the lover. You know, there's so many different archetypes that they embody. And what I enjoy about doing this work is I get to embody all of that. You know, I'm 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 a translator. I am a creator of forms. I, I am training myself, so I'm, I'm still embodied. I'm an intellect, so I'm, I'm still studying and I'm, I'm actually doing research and like creating research projects and stuff like that. So I get to put on all these different hats and all of it works in tandem and concert with the spiritual martial arts practices, with my healing Kung Fu work. So it's really exciting. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's ever evolving and I absolutely love it. And I, I love my job, basically, mm-hmm. that's all I can say.
1: That's wonderful. Maybe you could just speak as we start to wrap up a little bit more about the shamanic part. I'm curious about how that has um, come into the work, and then also, um, and I don't know if this is related or not, but you know, you spoke at the very beginning about kind of the spirits and the voices, and you know, kind of what what you're intuitively hearing and connecting to, and how that maybe all fits together with your work as well. When it comes to my shamanic work,
0: that's one of the elements that I'm most excited about because it's something I've been practicing since I was a child. And I've been able to bring more and more elements of that into the Kung Fu work, which I'm so alive in at the moment. So when I was a child, I I started to hear voices of different people. I started to see ghosts and communicate with spirits. Um, I was talking to different creatures, different animals. There we go. And it was really exciting for me to be able to have this sort of multi-layered communication with all these beings. And part of that was because I I feel like I was alone for a lot of my childhood. Um, And so I had these different beings to communicate with, which helped me feel um, like I wasn't alone in some sense. Um, And as I was going through high school and college, I was actually refining my own shamanic practices I was giving readings for people and I was able to help people heal some ancestral patterning or, or some past life issues that, that, that they were having. Um, and so for, at one point, the work was very separate. It was very much like, here's Kung Fu and then here's like my shamanic practices, my shamanic and, and witch practices. But then I was like, why can I not bring them together? And when I started to do that, I started to see how it expanded the work even further. And the work is already expanding. And then when I brought it together, it just got even more expansive. So the ways that I bring in the the shamanic work into the Kung Fu is there are different animal forms in Chinese martial arts and in other styles of, of martial arts as well. And so what I do is I bring in the animal work and help people embody the spirit of the animal as they're going through the form. So if, it, if it's the tiger form, for example, there's a specific tiger claw and there's ways that there's ways that tigers will claw um, when they're attacking. And um, I, I see tiger as a... As a um, the spirit of the tiger teaches us about repression and the way that we fight against any sort of stagnant energy that we have within ourselves. And so when I'm teaching, I talk about the spirit of the tiger and then we go into a tiger form so someone can embody the spirit through the movements and then they can reflect on um, any areas in their life that they feel stagnant, and how this forum might help them move through that stagnancy. So you know, it's just a way in which you use the kung fu to embody the the spirit of the animal, and and learn some sort of lesson from it that you can then take away and apply into your own life. It's still something that I'm not. It's still something that I'm working on right now, but it's. Mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot with it, and it's been really, really fun, deeply impactful, and helpful for people.
1: Well, I'm sure it has, and I'm sure it'll continue to take shape. And yeah, it's really interesting to see kind of how your whole life has taken shape and how you continue to pull these pieces into your work and into your life, really. I mean, it it's it sounds very integrated to me and very um, connected. So I think you I thank you for sharing. Uh, with us today. And yeah, let me just give you an opportunity to share any final thoughts or reflections or anything else that you want the audience to hear. And um, we'll make sure we put in the show notes where they can find you. But anything else that you want to make sure you share with the audience? Yeah, the floor is yours. Yeah.
0: I feel really grateful to have this this moment with you to be able to, to chat. But some of the questions that you asked really helped me to connect some pieces that I hadn't fully connected yet. So I'm, I'm really grateful for it for your own questioning and for your own time. So thank you so much for that. In terms of my own work, I teach group... I teach one group class a week and that one is on Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And anyone's invited to that class. I do keep it capped at a certain number because I like to make sure to energetically be able to hold the room through that. Um, and so the Sunday class is a way people can tune in And practice my work. Um, And then I work with people individually on specific forms that they feel are most necessary for them after doing some some counseling. Um, I have a program right now that I'm running, a six-month program called Liberation, which is specifically for queer folks and people of color um, to utilize these practices to embrace themselves. And we work through so much within those particular six months Um, If anyone wants more information about my work, they can check out my website, which is HealingKungFu.com. HealingKungFu, very Mm -hmm. easy.com. And that has all the description of my practices um, and they can book um, a call with me. Um, I drink tea very often and, and I love having this tea culture of like sitting with someone chatting over tea and and drinking coffee. So I will do that virtually with anyone who wants to chat. So I have my tea thing here and I'm literally just drinking tea and and we're just chatting to get to know each other. And that's how I like to connect with people. So feel free to connect with me via um, a Kung Fu Tea chat session
1: or through a group class. And let's see where we can go. Wonderful. Wonderful. I, I'm actually going to take you up on that. And I hope other people do too. And um, yeah, thank you for saying the kind words about being together. Um, it's always uh, interesting for me to learn from the guests and um yeah i love to kind of hear these stories so i think uh, there's so many amazing people out there doing such great work and i include you in that category so um thank you thank you for what you're doing thank you for taking the time and um yeah it was great to be with you thank you thanks for listening to the gravity podcast please be sure to subscribe leave us a review and follow me on instagram at Brett Kaufman on Twitter at BKaufman125 and subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching for The Gravity Podcast with Brett Kaufman. And please send me a DM with any guests or topics that you'd like to hear on future episodes.